0: Hold up, I ain't trying to stump, man. But the Yeezys jumped over the jump, man. I be in and out of penis like I'm Scotty Pippin'. Left my elbow
1: in the pot, I like Vince Carter. Bitch, you weren't with me, shootin' in the gym. James Hard with the don't be nigga way back. Coach, they won't lock me off my pivot, forget it. Been flowin' stupid since Vince Carter was on some through the legs, arm, and a hoop shit. And you can live through
0: anything if magic made it.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, now you do.
0: Yes, sir. We are back. Round of applause to my fellow NBA lovers. These are some interesting times that we're about to embark on a new season. Things are looking up. So Adam Silver had did a presser when he spoke about this new resting policy, and it's so funny. Before we even get to that presser. Just keep in mind that Adam Silver just last year during the All-Star break he said that the medical data supported guys resting and that was just last year during the All-Star break. Now currently we're seeing it unravel where the NBA TV partners particularly ESPN was going through a battle with Charter in which they were trying to kind of renegotiate their deal and Charter kind of took the position of dominance in those negotiations, that was willing to let them go, that was even reverting to telling customers to go sign up for another plan that offers them sports. Charter kind of took the initiative of saying, hey, ESPN, look, the jig is up. This surcharge of you just forcing our customers to get more expensive packages just because you you guys had sports or you guys had expensive TV licensing deals and you forced our hands To force our customers who don't even mess with ESPN to take it that little fun ride is over and the cable companies have been taking a a huge hit and a lot of them have realized they actually make more money when they offer the internet only customers certain packages for like either apps or TV channels so they make more money off of those deals which kind of took away ESPN's leverage of kind of strong arming the cable companies. And with these broadcasting companies like ESPN, there's a lot of upfront costs in obtaining these licenses for NFL, NBA, et cetera. And best believe the NBA has been eating really well off of ESPN being able to strong arm the cable companies and the cable consumers into taking their packages, whether they watch sports or not. But a lot of this wrestling policy with Adam Silver has to do with pleasing their TV partners. And we kind of seen it play out during the bubble in which ESPN was in a really bad situation, making no money from their parks, and now they kind of just had the NBA scramble and give them some sort of content because they kept saying it was about safety, but there was no real science on what was going on with the Rona situation. But before I get to the presser, I want you to hear directly from Stephen A. Smith how bad it really was during the pandemic for ESPN. He kind of gives you an idea on it. You're going to hear directly from Mr. ESPN himself.
3: A few weeks later, it was announced that 7,000 layoffs was coming. Yes. You it. can't work. You got to be a new fool, a new kind of fool to know, to not know that ESPN is going to suffer some cuts True. when its parent company announces that 7,000 yeah. cuts are coming to make up for $5.5 billion. COVID hits. Parks closed, movie theaters closed, ESPN no live sporting events. We took a tremendous loss. I gave back 15% of my salary. 15% of my salary, okay? Because they come to you asking you, is that something you can do? You don't, you're not forced. It's voluntary. Wait, yeah. What? That's it's right. Forced. It's not. It's not. It's not forced. It's yeah. voluntarily. They came to me. I was the first one to say, yeah, here you go. Well, what
2: would we, what's the alternative Wait, who's
3: coming to me to say that?
1: Right now, if, if. The boss. If, if, if you lost
0: a. One of the bosses. You lost a Patreon deal and you came to us and said, yo, shit is tight right Right. now. Would
3: y'all take
0: or consider a pay
2: cut? And I do it again. And I do do it
4: again because here's
3: the reason why. Here's the reason why. If you don't do it. Then those cats, you making millions, but those cats that's making 150, 200 thousand a whole bunch of them gonna lose their jobs. Now some of them are gonna lose their jobs, now, mm-hmm. lose their jobs anyway, but even more but of more. them are gonna lose their mm-hmm. jobs. True. You can't be somebody that's just that that's not just a talent, mm-hmm. but they've asked you to lead, you've or you volunteered to lead, you are considered a leader, but then all of a sudden it's just about you. Sure, I want my money. I earned it. I didn't want to give back a damn thing. But Looking at the landscape, I knew inevitably what they were going to ask me to do. And I didn't hesitate. There was no, I think about it, I get back to you, whatever. They said, Stephen A, you know, this is something that, you know, we're going to have to ask of our employees at some point. I said, take mine now. Mm. Here you go. That's all right. I'll be okay.
0: So Stephen A. Smith definitely took a pay cut to help his employees. But best believe on a higher level, the NBA has worked with ESPN to help them out, which is a major TV partners of theirs during the pandemic to give him some sort of content because they were struggling to come up with content right now adam silver is definitely pivoting things in the direction especially amidst a new tv deal in which he's trying to make the nba package seem more appealing and kind of making it more on demand as we can see it playing out with the nba adding the mid-season tournament and also the play-in they need to spice things up in order to help their tv partners so the same way Stephen A. Smith took a pay cut is the same way the league is sort of helping out ESPN and other TV partners like TNT and Turner Sports. So you guys check out this presser by Adam Silver and every once in a while, I'll check in.
4: And a bit of discussion about some of the rule changes for this season with a real focus on player participation. And I know uh, you've all now seen the release um, from the vote we took earlier today um, regarding some changed approach. Um, to to reinforcing the notion that we're an 82-game league. And that's something that uh, Joe Dumars, our executive vice president of basketball operations, has been really reinforcing. And I think someone who has the credibility um, to help the league, frankly, reset on that issue. And I I just want to make the point there that it's. It's a shared view by everyone in the league. It's not just coming from the league office. I think whether it's our teams, our players' association, individual players, I think there's an acknowledgment across the league that we need to return to that principle, that this is an 82-game league. And that, of course, doesn't mean that we're turning the clock back, that players are expected to play through injuries, or that players, frankly, never need rest, but I think it's there's a statement of a principle that if you're a healthy player in this league, that the expectation is that you're going to play.
0: So Adam Silver further elaborated on the science and how they all of a sudden switched up. And he also elaborated on how they're going to try to maneuver and not interfering with teams' personal decisions. And also that these resting rules will be modified as they go along.
4: Honestly, that's what I had been told as well, that it was the science. And I think it may be why the league... um, didn't become involved maybe as deeply as we should have earlier on. And part of the discussion today was about the science. And frankly, the science is inconclusive. I think if there, and I've said this before, if the science were clear that players should be resting, we would be favoring it. And frankly, I'd be delivering the message to the fans even that you want these players to rest at certain times because that's going to keep them healthier and performing at a higher level and ensuring that they're on the floor at critical parts times in the season. What we talked about today is that the the correlation, putting aside causation, isn't there even with players who participate in summer competitions like World Cups and Olympics. They are not more likely to get injured in that season. We don't see any statistical data suggesting that players um, increase their likelihood of getting injured as they go further along in the season, or even in back-to-backs, which may surprise people. And I think one of the things we're all learning with data and science is not to take anything for granted. Um, See Sudafed, (laughs) most latest disclosure, that something we all thought was clearly working, maybe isn't, that I think in the case here, that part of the commitment here from the league office is we are putting together a group of team doctors and scientists and others, and trying to better understand it. One thing I want to make clear, that the message to our teams and players is not that rest is never appropriate, and I realize there's a bit of an art to this, not just the science, and that's with the hands-on trainers and coaches who are talking to players and saying, how do you feel? I'm certainly not saying that's not relevant. I think at least in the first instance in terms of this policy, we're trying to deal with some of the most egregious examples where multiple star players, for example, healthy, healthy, all out on the same night, healthy, healthy. And I think that's, we're letting down the fans, we're letting down our partners.
0: Right there, he mentioned letting down our partners. That's the most important part right there. You know, they marketed this idea about safety, safety, during the, the little bubble that they had during the pandemic, but it was really about satisfying the TV partners. But it's interesting that Adam Silver also mentioned the Sudafed <laughs> when they actually said Sudafed doesn't do what they what they thought it did after all these years. But it's, it's funny he mentioned that. But he's making reference to the science, you know. At the end of the day, I've seen players talk about it, players that kind of stuck in between two errors, players like Paul George and Damian Lillard. You know, they, when they came into the league, they had the calluses almost that they had to build up you know to make their body be used to playing all these games and they're saying now with all this you know game today rest tomorrow game today rest tomorrow their bodies have a hard time of building up calluses
4: at the same time we're stating a principle in terms of an 82 game league and saying let's all work together and i think that that was I, th- I thought uh the best news coming out of, of this policy whether it was with the players association individual players or with our teams over the last two days Everyone is acknowledging this is an issue, and it's an issue for the fans. So, th- there was the adoption of the policy was unanimous. There was f- full support from the player association. I think, though, people are also saying, "Well, let's see what this means in practice. What does it mean when a league doctor is coming in and separately looking at a player's health?" I, I, I do think this will this policy will deal with the more most egregious examples, and we'll go from there. And I just think, lastly, that. You know, even though the teams are highly competitive um, with each other, they shouldn't be competing when it comes to health and the the science of performance and care for our players, especially since contracts have gotten shorter, players move from team to team. And I think we're declaring also there's more to be learned here. And I think rather, you know, in all seriousness, like the Sudafed example uh, saying, let's really not just take for granted somebody saying, load management well of course you need to rest after this many days let's really study it and understand it and see if there are changes we need to make and it may turn out you know a lot of the older players by that i mean now at this point retired players when i first became in the league used to believe that they were more likely to get injured if they took nights off that it would they would get out of rhythm and
0: and they were right about that (laughs) As you can see, when, when Adam Silver in 2016 started tweaking that schedule, stretching out the finals longer, um, just you know putting this, the schedule basically game, rest, game, rest, game, rest. Guys used to at least play three games and then have two days rest. There was some sort of calluses that used to get built up and guys' bodies were able to handle the playoffs and the intensity. Nowadays, guys don't have any buildup same way when you lift weights and you have the calluses in your hands, you sorta, of, you, you know, you can get used to lifting longer. The, the players, their bodies work the same way with this gruesome schedule. But once again, most of this is just to appeal to their TV partners. The NBA, along with, you know, cable networks and just traditional linear TV, they have a lot of competition. We're talking about streaming, social media, gaming, TikTok. Even with the younger demographics, most sports leagues are struggling to gain their attention. That's why the NFL has that program that they do with children where they kind of have these broadcast shows for children and they're sort of pivoting and trying to put themselves in front of the eyeballs of children, which is very difficult. Once again, that's why Jean Morant Morant is a very big deal for the NBA because just his uh, charisma and the way he plays, how exciting he is, it attracts a very younger demographic to the league. It gets their eyeballs. Without children being interested in the league, the league's future or any sports league's future will be kind of shaky and the nfl especially with the cte and a lot of the medical conditions that come with playing in the nfl they have to make sure that the league gets in front of the eyes of mothers and children to ensure the future of the league and with the nba it's sort of the same thing so they got to come up with a nice little package for their television partners to keep the league very interesting i think adam silver He's done a good job of that with the play-in and the mid-season tournament. But this wrestling policy was crafted very well, very slick. Because first of all, this resting policy is a team policy, which the CBA and the Players Association, they're not going to really have any say in this. So if th- things get violated w- with this policy, the teams get fined. So the owners really voted this in, a.k.a. guys like Steve Ballmer, <laughs> you know, His players, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, are some of the biggest violators of this policy. And low-key, these guys pretty much know that their owner voted for this. So all the owners, they voted for this, including Steve Ballmer, man. Best believe, they want this. And they want their TV partners to be successful because that means they're successful. But yeah, the landscape is definitely changing as we see the regional sports networks filing for bankruptcy. The NBA kind of have to pivot a few markets, particularly in the Midwest or in the Sun Belt, like the Phoenix Suns, they got to kind of bunch up a lot of their TV deals into like a, a, a package bundle. It's a lot of moving parts are going on and everything pretty much starts with the cable companies and the leverage that ESPN once had on them is pretty much dwindling away. So without them actually strongholding the cable companies, forcing them to pay the broadcast networks, all this money in which they then funnel onto the NFL, the NBA to get the TV rights. You see how this all has a trickle down effect. So the American customer, basically the customer in general has voted with their pockets. People are not signing up for cable subscriptions like that. Thus, it's kind of breaking the ESPN business model. So then it's going to have a trickle down effect on the NBA's pockets because to assume that these tech companies are just gonna throw a lot of money into the NBA, it's a bad assumption. I mean, we could look at Apple, they have all the money in the world, but we've never seen them actually collaborate with a league like that. I mean, Amazon has a lot of money, but they kind of signed up for the NFL for just one day a week, where they could utilize you know, their whole services of Amazon Prime and whatever other services they have to put in front of the eyeballs of people. But this landscape is definitely interesting We'll see how things play out, especially with uh, the NBA negotiating with their TV partners probably for the last two or three years. But we're going to see the unveiling of this deal by next season
4: with it, with a more serious focus. Roughly in the last year, it became part of part of collective bargaining. I should say it's the, the player participation policy is part of many steps we've taken, whether it's in the bargaining agreement itself, the 65 game. Um, uh, limit for eligibility uh, for awards, creating different incentives for players, you know, like the play-in tournament, for example, like the in-season tournament to, to focus attention on the regular season. I, it, but the policy itself, I think it was the Players Association um, was very much part of it. Um, we had extensive discussions with them and then with individual groups of players, particularly veterans in the league. Um, about um, how they thought we should be approaching it. And I, the last part of your question yes, I, I do worry about infringing on how a team operates. And while we want to have, state a strong principle, I would say, at least initially, we're taking a somewhat light touch here. I think, in, in, under the notion that change will probably happen here incrementally, I think we'll state this principle, see how teams react, and see if more needs to be done. But I th- I think most importantly, there's a sense from all the different constituent groups in the league that this is ultimately about the fans and that we've taken this too far. I mean, this is an acknowledgment that it's gotten away from us a bit. And that particularly, I think, when you see young, healthy players who are resting and it becomes Maybe even more notion of stature around the league as opposed to absolute needed rest. Or it's just part of being an NBA player that you rest on certain days. And that's what we're trying to move away from.
0: Yeah, the marketing behind that is ugly. I agree. The marketing. It's the marketing really behind that is ugly. It's not about the fans. It's just the marketing of the product. The product is we're going to rest. We're going to charge a lot of money, make a lot of money, and we're going to rest when we need to rest. That's that's horrible marketing. And I'm telling you, about most of the NBA, I would say 60% of the league is, is marketing. 60% is marketing. I would say 30% is business. And 10% is basketball. And the marketing of the league, especially with guys resting, it sucks. It's not really about the fans. It's just it's just a bad product to give out to fans and to your business partners. So definitely a good call by Adam Silver here. Uh, but I found it interesting he said that they spoke to the Players Association about it. The owners didn't have to get any permission from the Players Association. This is a team rule. Uh, they actually curved that whole situation with the, even just getting any type of approvals with the Players Association. I guess that's just a political move that, hey, we kind of gave them the heads up. But it's definitely not in the CBA because there's no player punishment. It's just team punishment. So all the owners definitely found a way to finesse their way and 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 make their TV partners happy at the same time. The same way the owners, in a way, with the new CBA, they kind of slowly took away player movement. They slowly took it away. The players could only finesse billionaire owners for quite some time, man, because it's not going to work in the long run, because these guys have lawyers on their payroll that have years and years of just understanding contract language and having their ways to get around things. But for sure, the NBA TV partners are definitely scrambling. ESPN has been very careful of the way they kind of do their contracts now. They they didn't sign the Big Ten contract, no MLS, even NASCAR. They said no to. So they're watching the way they're spending their money. And Disney, in a way, that issue with Charter is not good because they're trying to be part of cable bundles until they figure out how to monetize direct-to-consumer properly. So we'll see how a lot of this plays out. Ever since the league merged with DraftKings and FanDuel, and those became the official betting platforms of the NBA, they sort of been doing this balancing act in which they're sort of trying to make sure that the legitimacy of their game stays intact. But at the same time, they're chasing brand new revenue sources with the gambling and also brand new fan engagement that comes with it. And the reason why I say it's a balancing act because we all know what the gambling culture There is a sort of subculture of degeneracy that comes along with it, AKA addiction. Now, Bradley Beal had recently got into it with a fan while he was exiting the tunnel. Adam Silver has to keep in mind with this brand new merger with the gambling companies that fans do have direct access to NBA players and with the in-game experience in these arenas, unlike Major League Soccer, which he loves to use that as a blueprint. You know, the fans over there, they can go to these games and bet on the games in these arenas but soccer players are very far away from the fans the engagement is not is not as close as the nba that is part of the nba selling their in-game arena tickets they do promote the fan experience being very close to the players being able to high five the players so adam silver gotta keep this in mind i know he loves to use the international soccer blueprint but these soccer players sit in sort of like a dugout on the soccer field. They're very far away from the fans. Even if the fans are throwing bottles at them, they're not going to feel it. But Bradley Beal got into it with a fan. I'm going to go to the chat GBT for the story.
2: Beal was exiting the court area through a tunnel where fans were lined up to watch the players leave the court when, according to the police report, an unidentified person said to Beal, you made me lose $1,300. You fuck.
0: Once again, that's that degeneracy that comes in with that gambling culture. And the league right now, especially with the merger with DraftKings and FanDuel, it's sort of like the same merger that they did with Twitter, where some of the highlights and other content gets ran through some of these betting platforms, aka the league has a separate stream for just gambling within their own NBA app. And also FanDuel and DraftKings will have highlights on their own platforms of the NBA official license highlights and everything so this is a full merger and another thing that's possibly going to turn this thing into a whole nother demon is that with the new cba a lot of the nba players themselves can invest in these gambling companies so we all know with this media landscape news gets around and fans will know real fast who owns what stake and what gambling companies let's go
2: back to the chat gbt to hear what happened You made me lose $1,300, you fuck. The alleged victim, a friend of the unidentified person, filed the complaint, alleging that Beale then approached him, swatted his hat off his head and in doing so, made contact with the left side of his head, according to the case report. A police officer reviewed video footage of the altercation and the alleged victim is heard saying that wasn't him, implying he did not make the comment, according to the case report. The officer wrote that the man who filed the complaint and his unidentified friend got into a verbal argument with Beale regarding what happened, and Beale is heard on video saying this is his job. And he takes it seriously. The complainant is heard apologizing, according to the report. According to the complaint, probable cause exists to charge Beale with simple battery and charges will be filed at large with the state attorney's office. The man who filed the complaint desires prosecution, the case report says. No charges had been filed as of Tuesday afternoon. We are aware of the situation regarding Bradley Beal in Orlando, but won't have further comment until we've gathered more information, the Wizards said in a statement to The Athletic on Tuesday. NBA spokesman Mike Bass said in a statement, we are aware of the report and in the process of gathering more information. So it seems like Bradley Beal, when he was heading out the tunnel,
0: he approached the wrong person, who he thought had uttered those words to him. And you know, he just flicked his hat, his hand probably brushed against his skin, and now this guy is trying to get a payday. But this is the balancing act the league has to perform when dealing with this whole gambling merger. Of course, they're gonna benefit through the money and through the fan engagement. But once again, there is a subculture that comes with gambling, and that is some degeneracy and addiction. And when you factor in some of these attributes and the fact that when fans go to these NBA games, part of their experience is having close access to the players. This does create a tricky situation. This James Harden story is like a tale of two cities, man. (laughs) Now, I believe both of them, you know, are full of shit primarily. But it's funny because I feel like Daryl Morey is leveraging James Harden's reputation in the past few years against him. I believe he did work a under the table deal that's just my opinion there is some sort of under the table deal because these two right now they're in a cold war you know there's just a lot of things are coming out and we gotta look at the timing of some of these situations first of all they started sabotaging james harden's value around august <laughs> you know the timing of a lot of these stories you know james harden traveled to miami ahead of the team and Meryl Shelbourne, you know, just writes a whole article on James Harden. How how all of a sudden these stories just happen to leak out when James Harden just calls Daryl Morey a liar. And if we look at last year, James Harden definitely took a pay cut just so the 76ers can get P.J. Tucker and fill up that roster a little bit. I mean, the league even investigated that whole situation. How come James Harden didn't just extend? That's, that's, that's very weird. And now... James Harden is calling Daryl Morey a liar, but James Harden really can't say much because he's going to convict himself, you know, trying to work a under the table deal, even though we know that this goes on. But James Harden's his reputation in the past few years hasn't been good, even though he was right about leaving Brooklyn. Brooklyn was not set up to handle what was going on over there with the personalities of Kyrie, Durant, and Harden. They just... They're not really a big market team. They're inside of a big market, but inside their building, they don't know how to function like a big market team. They were definitely not equipped to handle the superstars that was in their building. But let's see what Daryl Morey had to say about James Harding, because best believe, started training camp, Daryl Morey is going to play hardball. He does not quit on players, and he does not throw value away. That's one thing I know. But let's take a look at what he had to say. Let's go to chat GBT for this one.
2: If we can do something that is win-win, helps the Sixers, then we will look at it. If we can't, then we won't. If we don't get either a very good player or something that we can turn into a very good player, then we're just not going to do it. The reality is that if we do look at a trade, it's going to be for one of two things, Morey says. It's either going to be for a player who continues to help us be right there like we were last year, up 3-2 on one of the best teams in the East, the Celtics. Obviously, we didn't get it done, but James was a big part of why we got it to 3-2. to Darryl Moore's
0: playing hardball right there. <laughs> Daryl, man, it's, it's like the, your leverage is getting thinner and thinner. Because remember, that new CBA kicks in, and a lot of teams, they're not going to be looking to have these big salary players. It's going to be very difficult to trade for them. You're almost going to have to match salary for salary And some of the teams that probably do want James Harden, like the Clippers, they're not going to be able to make that deal because the fact that they're going to be so over the cap like that, they're going to have to either trade Paul George or Kawhi straight up for James Harden. It's going to be very hard for them to match that salary because you can't just bundle two players to match one guy anymore, especially if you're over that salary cap. So this is pretty much the last season for them to work out a deal. But let's see what else he had to say.
2: Obviously, we didn't get it done, but James was a big part of why we got it to 3-2. Or to well, we're going to do it for something where we get enough draft picks and things like that in a deal such that we can then turn those into a player who can be a running mate with Joel as well. Maury said Harden is wishing for a different contract situation. If we can do something that is win-win, helps the Sixers, then we will look at it. If we can't, then we won't. It's a real tricky situation to be in because... Harden, the way he
0: performs, Darryl Morey can't afford to sign him for a good amount of years and lock him in for a high amount. That's really going to restrict, you know, the possibility, especially with this new CBA, of just having the flexibility for mid-level exception, keeping draft picks or even trading draft picks, and obtaining guys. It's it's a real tricky situation, but I don't know what deal they worked out. Maybe James Harden didn't pay attention to how the new CBA is going to kick in. And he might not want to be one of those guys negotiating right before a new CBA kicks in. That could be another thing that he did not look at. Because I remember James Harden, I believe he has an agent now, but he used to negotiate without an agent. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's still doing that. I think I heard he has an agent now. But Darryl Morey, he plays hardball. He plays hardball. He's going to call James Harden's bluff. He's going to make him risk losing his money. Best believe that. And James Harden right now he's a man with no country at all. He's out in Houston partying. I mean I'm not gonna lie, I was in Houston, and he actually went to that camp club <laughs> over there out there in Westheimer in Houston. I couldn't believe that. There was like, yo yeah, James Harden was partying out the other night. I was like, oh okay, okay. I can't believe he went to camp over there. I was like training camp starting up. I know players are practicing with each other, and he's only out in Houston. That shit is crazy. So this will be a brand new series I'll be starting up called Thinking With The Other Head, and this will be volume one starring Zion Williams. As Zion, since he came into the league with just all that marketing, with TikTok just popping off, just all the hype, you can't buy that. You can't manufacture and buy the type of hype that he had. It was on LeBron James type level. Not even Victor, you know, had that hype coming into this year's draft. The Zion hype has not been seen in a long time and it's hard to manufacture and the league kind of lost out because all that free marketing and promotion, especially him being a Duke player, it just kind of went to the wayside. And now Zion just completely went 180 and now he's attaching certain girls and certain people that don't really fit in with his brand. And I'm not sure if he wants them even being around his brand because, you know, especially one of his ladies she showed that she doesn't have any restraint any uh i would say self-discipline just to keep things in house but zion williams did a sit down and he spoke about some of the things he's gone through but you guys check it out and every once in a while i'll check in
1: uh when you young you feel like can't nothing stop you but uh but then when you look back on your life you really look at it like man the people who gave me wisdom who tried to nurture me tell me man like you don't need to do that you know you need to do this uh i mean they didn't try to force your way force their way into your life so at this point in my life i'm just looking back at it like man who really gave me wisdom who really tried to put Mm -hmm. me on game to things and like i said man at the end of the day people gonna get their opinions and what i can say is i do respect brutal honesty i'd rather somebody be brutally honest with me than try to sugarcoat it cause at the end of the day if they honest with me I know how, I know what I need to do to fix it
0: and if they want to be brutally honest with you man they should've threw KG as an ambassador for the Pelicans man he would've sat your ass down KG be like yo you don't miss one of them damn hoes man KG would've been up your ass but it's kind of an issue with the league right now because it's getting younger and younger and the money is just increasing and there's nobody there to give any guidance at some point we can't really even fault the pelicans it's just the uh, the the way of the landscape right now but Zion also talked about you know what he's been working on to stay in shape to stay in the court
1: so the diet piece uh i'm always able to come back each summer feeling good looking good but i would say it's more of a
0: come back each summer looking good feeling good you <laughs> you must be talking about new orleans food man
1: just locking it on like Flexibility, band work cause I think it's those things that'll be able to keep me on the court longer versus just losing a bunch of weight and then coming to play, not being able to maintain us So just man, shit, LeBron uh, got the blueprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> <trying best follow laughs> No, no, it, no, man. no, seriously. I'm a hooper, so when I'm sitting on the sideline watching my teammates and certain games they lose, and I'm like, shit, I know, I know. If I was out there, I can change the outcome of it, so whether people want to believe it or not, when I'm on the sideline, man, that hurt me more than anything. I, I just want to hoop. I think the people, what I want people to know about me is I just want to hoop. Yeah, I want yeah. to be out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, don't mm-hmm. nobody want to just sit yeah. on the <laughs> sideline. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I just want people to at least to understand like, I don't want to be on the sideline. Y'all think I want to sit over there hurt? I don't. But uh like I said, uh, like Coach K taught me, I Own up to my responsibilities. There are a lot of things I could have done better I didn't
0: and there's a lot of things the Pelicans could have did better They could have handled your injury situation much better with the media Just all secretive, you know and saying hey, he's gonna come back He's gonna come back in a month and then the month comes up. Oh, no, he's gonna come back a month later two months now Two months come up. Oh, he's gonna come back. Uh, He's out for the season Uh, just the way the Pelicans have handled this whole Zion situation has left a sour taste on a lot of, a lot of fans, man, and a lot of the hype died down because of that. That's happened with the Pelicans, I think, within the first year, at least two times. In the process of, you know, fixing those wrongs. But well, you guys definitely hit up the mailbag. I'll leave the link below. Hit me up with your questions. I feature in a segment of the show. So until next time, you fellas, stay safe. Peace.